In 2011, in the summer of 2011, I was still in seminary, uh, and I was blessed to go on a pilgrimage to Spain with a group of seminarians and some others from the archdiocese. One of the many things we did was tour an old castle. The tour was great, but, but at the end, the best part came. We were told that we could climb a very tight, narrow stairway up a watchtower to the lookout post. And from up there, we had a 360-degree view for miles around the castle. You see, in its day, the watchtower served many functions, but its main purpose was for the lookouts to spot an invading army or a barbarian horde in the distance so that they could alert the castle and the defenses could be prepared. Of course, a watchtower only worked if you had soldiers to man it, if you had soldiers who would stay at their post and attentively survey the horizon. If they, that is, the soldiers slept on the job or didn't pay attention, the enemy could surprise the castle before the defenses were ready and the castle would fall. Lookouts on the watchtower needed to be vigilant. In fact, the word vigilant comes from the Latin word vigilate, to keep watch, to stay awake. Likewise, in our gospel, Jesus gives us the parable of the ten virgins, and he concludes this parable with what is essentially a call for vigilance in our spiritual life. Jesus says, Therefore stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Jesus begins this parable by saying the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now at first glance, I'm sure that seems like a confusing sentence. Who are these virgins and why do they have torches? Well, the virgins were essentially bridesmaids. The word bridesmaid originally was bridesmaiden, and a maiden was an unmarried virgin woman. Okay, why did these bridesmaids have lamps? Well, the Jewish wedding celebration in the first century was a week-long affair, and it began at night. The virgins, the bridesmaids, would go out to meet the bridegroom. Since it was dark in the first century, they would carry uh, something like an oil lamp for light, uh, or maybe a torch with oil-soaked rags. They would then escort the bridegroom to the bride, and the celebration would begin. But, I mean, even still, even with that explanation... This parable seems strange. We have a groom who is so late the virgins fall asleep, and when he comes, five of those virgins have run out of oil. Then it gets even stranger. The wise five who do have enough oil won't share with the foolish five. But the strangest of all is when these five foolish bridesmaids actually return, having found some oil, the bridegroom won't let them into the wedding. I mean, imagine a wedding today where five bridesmaids showed up to the reception late and the groom says, I don't know who you are, you can't come in. I mean, that's not going to go over well. What's going on here? Well, I'll say two things. First, throughout the New Testament, from Matthew to Revelation, heaven is often described as a wedding feast. In the book of Revelation, for example, heaven is called the wedding feast of the Lamb. So this parable is telling us that we are invited to the wedding feast that is heaven. However, and this is the second thing, we need to be prepared and ready to enter the feast when the time comes. Heaven is like a wedding feast. That's the first point. Secondly, we need to be prepared and ready to enter the feast when the time comes. Think of how Jesus concludes this parable. Therefore, stay awake, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The truth is that God only knows how long we each have on this earth. God only knows we do not. So we must be ever ready. We must be prepared and vigilant. Because once our life on this earth comes to an end, there is no going back. 
Our time on earth is the only opportunity we have to accept the mercy of God and the supernatural life of grace Jesus Christ offers us. When we die, the door on our time to repent and receive the mercy of God, the door on our time to accept the, the supernatural life of grace closes. For when we die, we experience our particular judgment, where we will stand before Christ as our judge. Yes, Christ will come at the end of the age to judge the living and the dead, but immediately upon our death, we will face our Lord in our particular judgment. In this particular judgment, our life will be reviewed, and we will be asked to give an account for how we have lived our life. Then we will receive our eternal reward immediately, heaven, or purgatory, a time of purification followed by heaven. Or as scripture makes absolutely clear, the eternal separation from God and hell is a real possibility. So what must we do? What is the message that's at the heart of this parable? Be vigilant. You know, elsewhere in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus tells us, beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life, and that day catch you by surprise like a trap. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. We must be vigilant. What does it mean to be vigilant, though? Well, let's look at the oil used to light the lamps in the parable. The oil lamp, excuse me, the oil lamp shines so long as it is oil to burn. So what does the oil used to light the lamp stand for in this parable? Well, there are a variety of interpretations, and many of which I think express uh, a very valid uh, and different nuance in the parable. But I think the most basic interpretation is that the oil stands for the supernatural life of grace that Christ gives us. It is the supernatural life of grace that is necessary for us to live the life of heaven. It is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and it is this supernatural life of grace which, freely offer, which Christ freely offers us in the sacraments. We first receive this life of grace in baptism. Yet the supernatural life of grace is not something static. It must be cultivated, and it must grow in our heart and our soul, which requires our cooperation. We must be vigilant by... Uh, protecting and cultivating the supernatural life in our hearts and souls by praying every single day, by frequenting the sacraments, especially the Eucharist and confession. We must be vigilant in doing good works, works of charity, think of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. When we are vigilant in prayer and the sacraments, frequenting the sacraments and works of charity, we are, think of it this way, we are adding oil to the flame of faith alive in our hearts and soul. However, the opposite is also true. When we are not vigilant in those things, the flame of faith begins to grow ever so subtly weaker. You know, people don't lose their faith like we lose our car keys. No, rather what happens is the soul begins to grow complacent and drowsy and begins to drift away. You know, one of my former assignments, we used candles that weren't actual candles. They were essentially an oil lamp dressed up to look like a candle. And you could always tell when it was running low on oil because the flame got smaller and weaker and smaller and weaker until the next thing you know, it was out. That is how we lose faith. Uh, that is how we lose faith. We, we gradually grow complacent and we allow, allow ourselves to just drift away. So we must be vigilant with prayer and the sacraments and works of charity.
There's another area where vigilance can come into play. You know, in November and also in Advent, the church asks us to turn our attention to the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And I know death, judgment, and hell, three of the four, aren't pleasant topics to think about. But the church doesn't ask us to contemplate the four last things out of a morbid pessimism. No, meditating on the four last things, it serves as a check against the spiritual complacency that is deadly. You know, it reminds us that our life doesn't last forever, that we will one day have to give an account for all that we have done, and that now is the time to repent and take advantage of the mercy of God in the sacrament of reconciliation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us, but today is. So we must take advantage of today while it is still today. We must be vigilant. You know, it, contemplating the four last things reminds us that there are eternal consequences for how we live. You know, really, what I think I'm trying to get at, it's summed up really well in, in the book of Sirach from the Old Testament. Sirach chapter 7, verse 36, where we read, And all you do, remember the end of your life, and then you will never sin. Sirach is saying that by calling to mind the end of our life, we have a strong antidote against the temptation to sin. So let us resolve to be vigilant. Be vigilant in prayer, vigilant in the reception of the sacraments and seeking the mercy of God, vigilant in the works of charity. And let us be vigilant in keeping in mind the end of our life so that we might avoid sin and in one day enjoy the eternal wedding banquet of heaven.